Hi everyone, welcome back to the Nakama Podcast. I'm your host, Sal, and I'm here with my co-host, Cruz. I was about to say I was Cruz. <laughs> I don't know why. But anyways, Cruz wants to do a Halloween, or not Halloween, a spooky, an October themed. It's sort of like a 30 days of Halloween there thing, except it's actually just four days of Halloween four because days. it's only, it's only yeah. the weekends. Yeah, but we're going to be starting things off with giving what I consider, what a lot of people, not just me, consider like the basis of a lot of spooky stuff and that is cosmic horror yeah. and the person who originated hp lovecraft or his actual name is howard phillips lovecraft yep i always figure what the p is for yeah i always go with newman because like pneumonia Pneum- Pneum- I, I pneumonia. <laughs> i'm just saying where my brain goes but it's yeah. between that and then alfred e newman the character from mad tv the dorky dude with the I never freckles. watched mad tv well the mad magazine i should say Oh yeah, the the cover guy, the cover guy with the freckles and the I thought red that hair guy was based off of like an ACDC character, like one of the people from ACDC. No, oh, maybe you saw a cover that was making fun of ACDC, and that's what you. No, I thought like one of the members looked like that. But anyways, H.P. Lovecraft. Some of you might have heard of him. Most of you probably not. I always forget how small of an audience he actually has, and it always trips me out because to me, it's like what the fuck that should be common knowledge. Yeah. I mean, I guess it does turn out to be one of those things where, like, the 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 niche that it's in, the people who are a part of that are just so into it mm-hmm. that, like, when you're in that community, it is it is kind of weird to think about the fact that, like, or to understand that there are people outside of it that have just never heard of the person. Yep. So I'm going to give you a brief summary of him so you kind of know where he's coming from and you can also see kind of the inspiration for his works. H.P. Lovecraft, Howard Phillips Lovecraft, was born in August 20th, 1890. Mm-hmm. Old ass dude. He did not have a very good relationship. Homecoming. No, mm-hmm. like an uprising. His dad ah. passed away very early in his life. Uh, he died in July 19th, 1898. So nine years later. Mm-hmm. He died of a, oh, I must have deleted it. It was like a neural thing. Let me take a look here. Uh, his death certificate listed the cause of death as general parasis, a term synonymous with late stage syphilis. Yeah, that's the word, the, the P word. Parasis, yes. Yeah. Uh, general paralysis or paralytic dementia. Yeah. Died very young age or in Lovecraft's life. After that, he was just raised by his uh, his mom his grandpa, and his two aunts. He was very sheltered as a kid. You know, he didn't go out too much. He was, he was well-versed in school. He started reading books that his grandpa would tell him all the time when he was a kid. Uh, what is it? The, the Something about the Odyssey? The Greek book? You know which one I'm talking about. The Odyssey. Yeah. He read that. And, uh, so there's the Iliad, there's the Odyssey, and then there's Ovid's Metamorphoses, which are the basis for a lot of what we uh, remember and culturally recognize as a part of Greek mythology. Yes, and the first book that he read was that um, Arabian one. Arabian Nights. Yes, that was his big inspiration for a lot of the Cthulhu mythos. I believe the bad guy from that story... Or rather... No, no, no. It's not Arabian Nights. Arabian Nights is, is no, it the is story Arabian from Nights. it. No, no, no. It's it's a story from that book, but the mm-hmm. book is 1001 Nights. Yeah, there we go. Yes. But uh, Arabian Nights especially yeah. is what helped him make the Necronomicon, the, the bad guy, Abdul, whatever his name is. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
I mean, the only when you say Abdul, my my brain goes Kareem Abdul Jabbar, and that's did the not guy him. From Aladdin. No. Oh dang. That's Jafar. Dang, I'm racist. <laughs> Kareem Abdul Jabbar is a is a is a professional athlete or was. But anyways, he grew up reading all these books. So when he eventually went to school, he did pretty well. Um, he stuck to himself. Didn't really hang out with anyone. His teachers, you know, praised them. He Again, he was a well-taught kid, even though he was mostly homeschooled. He was self-taught. Yes. And um, there is one little bit that you're missing, and it's that he was incredibly good at school, except he was dog shit at math. Really? Yeah. A, a lot of his um, basis for interpreting the way that certain like horrific things happen in the in the uh, specifically dreams in the witch house, which mm-hmm. uh, is the story about a dude. Who just to boil it down, or he he rents a room that he notices has like more corners than it has walls, mm-hmm. and his explanation for that was uh, non-Euclidean geometry because he didn't understand how non-Euclidean geometry worked. It looked puzzling to him, and he didn't understand really a lot of even just the basics of geometry. So he was just like, "This is a perfect explanation for how shit wouldn't make sense." Except that uh, Euclidean geometry is uh, sort of in a perfect flat space kind of geometry. Non-Euclidean geometry is the geometry that we use to build things on Earth because we are on a big old curved surface with a bunch of influences. So he misinterpreted the kind of geometry that is the most applicable to any like real practicable use. Mm. So he's bad at math. Yeah, I was about to say, I never saw anything about that. Yeah. Moving on from, from that, uh, <laughs> when things started to go downhill for him, is uh, when his mother died, almost mm-hmm. the same thing, mental breakdown, went to the same hospital as his dad. She ended up uh, dying May 24th, 1921. Damn. Uh, after that, he was left with, oh, his grandpa died before that too, forgot to mention that. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he was just left with his two aunts. But uh, luckily enough... He that's when he stumbled across his future fia- or future wife, Sonia Hafton Green, who is a Russian Jew. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they had to throw in the fact that she was Jewish. Well, no, there's a difference between a Russian and a Russian Jew, especially mm-hmm. at the time that 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 does denote a certain subset of people and gives a little bit more of a cultural explanation as to why. Like, it's a little bit more important. It's like saying Irish Catholic instead of just saying Catholic. Because then you go, oh, okay, well, there's there's a lot of context there for why that specific uh, name is used. I, I guess. I, I didn't know. I just thought yeah. Russian would have been fine. but No, a Russian Jew is not a Russian who is Jewish. I mean, it is, but it's not. There's more to it. Uh, he met her when he was doing amateur journal- journalism coverage uh, at a convention in Boston. Uh, from there, things were well for Lovecraft. You know, he started to see some good things about being married. But after a while, she also had a mental breakdown and she had to move to Brooklyn. No, no, no. That's where they ended up living. Yes. in Brooklyn. It's one of the things that made Lovecraft less racist. Yes. She was like a good part of him because he was extremely racist in case you don't know. Yeah. he. Well, I mean, he was a very sheltered, rich kid who was taught by like his mom and himself in a big house in the middle of the like like the countryside. No real experience with the world. 
and then gets dropped into Brooklyn with a very nice, seemingly very nice lady. Uh, another thing that I forgot to mention is she's seven years older than yep. Lovecraft. And I know... He's a bit of a MILF hunter. Yes, because three years is typically like the cutoff for most people, but seven is just like, goddamn. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty big difference. It's a big difference, especially mm -hmm. since she's the woman and she was the older one. Because if yeah. it was a guy, it would be like, all right, that's cool. I'd have to imagine that was probably even more uncommon at the time. Yeah, fuck yeah. But um, he was doing well with his writing, and she opened up a hat store on Fifth Avenue in New York. After a while, uh, in, 19 th in 1932, his aunt Clark ended up uh, passing away, so he had to move with his other aunt, his last aunt, his last family member. His aunt's name was Gwamwell. Huh. Mm -hmm. So that's a very old name. Yes. You, that is not a name you would hear from anybody no. anymore. Uh, once his his aunt died, his story started to get more lengthy, more complex. I'm guessing from what you were saying about him not knowing math and him just trying to expand his stories a little bit more. I, I mean, I think it also does come from that, like, you know, uh, that writer's perspective of, like, even if you don't feel like you have to explain it to, the, to your audience, you do kind of have to explain it to yourself in order to be able to do it again later. Yeah. And, and so, like, you know, if he's like, oh, this is a weird monster, well, then I have to establish why the weird monster's there, at least for me, so that way when I use another similar weird monster, mm -hmm. it's already done. Yeah. Things were okay for him. Him and his wife, Sonia, at the time, they weren't doing too well. He was getting by just by doing um, ghostwriting mm -hmm. and uh, just reviewing just random articles where things, again, just kept going down for this poor man is when his closest friend or correspondent, I guess, is how they put it. I would Doesn't that just mean friend? Yeah, but I think it, it probably means more in like a writing sense. Yeah, his uh, closest friend or correspondent, Robert E. Howard. The guy who did uh, Conan the Barbarian. Yes. Conan of Samaria. Yes. Conan the... the No, that was Kang the Conqueror. Con There's another one. Anyway. Destroyer. There we go. He ends up committing suicide and that deeply affected Lovecraft. You know, yeah. he's confused. I mean, it, you know, your best friend kills himself. Mm -hmm. That's probably not a good experience. No, not at all. And after this, uh, his uh, sad story is quickly at an end because he ends up getting uh, intestine cancer. He tries to live with it for a mm -hmm. little bit, but ends up passing away. Yep. And then he got buried with his family uh, up there on Swan Point Cemetery. The thing that makes things worse is at the time... No one give a fuck about Lovecraft. Just like Robert E. Howard. Yeah. They, they both died. A lot of people Very did. little money. Yeah. they Their stories did good. Mm -hmm. He did a lot of stories. Uh, he never had an official book. He never no. like actually published a book. He uh, would sell stories to magazines. Like at the same time that they were doing like uh, those magazines, like Weird Tales and stuff. Yeah. He would sell his stories, like short stories, to be printed in those. Probably, I mean, it's just an assumption, but probably for something like ten or fifteen yeah. bucks. Like mm -hmm. even with inflation, not a lot of money. Not that much. If it w if it wasn't for his two close friends and how much they were trying to push his books and his stories, trying to gather any of his works, we would not have known who Lovecraft no. is. That was very much one of those things where they were like, you know what. I liked him. I'm going to make sure other people know about him. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's a noble thing to do. It is a noble thing to do because 
without them, we wouldn't have cosmic horror. I mean, not just that, but like they also did not make any attempt to hold on to a copyright for anything like that. No. It's one of the reasons why to this day you can write you can write a Lovecraft story yourself using the stuff that he made, mm-hmm. and you don't have to pay anybody a goddamn cent for that. Yeah, because I know even back then when he was alive before his friend died, the Robert guy, uh, his friend would be like... Robert E. Howard, yeah. Yeah. He's like, hey, can I borrow the Necronomicon for my Conan shit? Mm-hmm. And he was like, fuck it. They would share shit all yeah. the time. Because I also know, I think it was Robert that made the hounds, the, the like the hell hounds. Yeah. And Lovecraft was like, that's a cool idea. I'm going to use that shit. Is that okay? And mm-hmm. they were fine with it. And then one of the gods in Samaria was just like a differently named Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. And it was very clearly like it's the same being. It's just the people that live there call him a different name. Yeah. That's his brief and my fucked up way of putting everything together. Yeah. some If he didn't care about that, but some of his works that you are familiar with, that you didn't know or you might know that are his. And I'm going to go with the, the movies first, Evil Dead series. So Evil Dead mm-hmm. 1, 2, Army of Darkness, TV show as well. Yeah, Ash vs. Evil Dead and the Evil Dead reboot. Yes. Those are all based off of, uh, they all use the Necronomicon, which is mm-hmm. his sort of, uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say his invention, no. but that specific name and mm-hmm. that specific action that it does is very much his. Yeah. Uh, another one... Reanimator. I know there was a Reanimator. Herbert West Reanimator. There was a Reanimator 2 and I believe a Bride of the Reanimator. Yeah, I did not watch Bride and I saw a little bit of Reanimator 2. I thought it was... The first one was the only good one. Yeah, the first one was hecka good. In the Mouth of Madness, Mm -hmm. which is also really good. There's two versions of Cal Outer Space. It was a while ago. That one's a black and white and it's, it's almost the same story, but instead of a small town, I believe it's a World War II veteran. And then the recent one, which was 2018. 2018. With Nicolas Nic- Cage. Yeah, Nicolas Cage, which or is he, very good. Yeah, him and his family move. That's that's sort of the difference mm-hmm. is they move to a place. Yeah, I, th- I was about to say Vermont, but no, it might have been Vermont that they moved to. Either I don't remember where it was. Yeah, it is the middle of buttfuck nowhere. Yeah, there's llamas in it. Something crazy happens with the llamas. Mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu. This was one that's in black and white, which is very good. The black and white Hekka helps it out. I've seen yep. it. It's on YouTube. You can yep. look that up. The biggest one that most people will know or have at least seen the movie but might not have known that it ties with Lovecraft or at least it was inspired by Lovecraft, The Thing. Yeah, The Thing. That's 100% based off of Lovecraft. That is essentially at the Mountains of Madness, but instead of having the scientists or, or instead of having like a pilot trying to explore a particular area in Antarctica, mm-hmm. instead it's scientists who are doing research who just, the the thing wanders to them, not them wandering to the thing. Yeah. And, but essentially the setup for it is, is based off of at the Mountains of Madness. Mm-hmm. Another one that some people debate with, uh, I don't consider it, but at the same time, I can see why you would consider it a cosmic horror, Alien. No, Alien does. Uh, to but- me, it doesn't feel like it for the fact, like, at the time, it it definitely was because we didn't know what the fuck the aliens come from. And that's the thing about cosmic horror. Is, yeah, they definitely ruined it over time with that. Is, um, a lot of it is the unexplained. Yes, where us humans are just ants, yeah. dust to other things and they don't give a fuck if they accidentally step on us or they don't care if they drop water on us we're never the we're never a threat to these things and that's what 
cosmic horror does where you if you already feel small you feel significantly smaller when it's just like holy shit yeah that's just that's just an arm that i saw and that thing just fucked me up it reminds me of uh do you know what the protocol is for if you know how we send signals into space yes you know what the protocol is for if we get hit by a signal that we did not send Hmm. we shut the fuck up damn that is it because like we can send signals out right and then however far they go might tell us whether it's you know whether it's interacting with something whether there is something there that helps us a signal hitting us lets us know something else is out there looking and for the same reason that the the things we might be looking for would probably not want to answer we would also probably not want to answer that signal <laughs> yeah so we're fine with blasting the beetles into space but any information we get hit with is just, just radio we, silence. We get uh, another signal and it's just like the stags. You, no, you know what would be worse? <laughs> you know what would be a worse signal of a terrible future for us? Hmm. If we get a signal from space in a weird language, we manage to decode it and it's a fucking ad. Dude. That would be a worse future. Or it's like a country song. No, 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 no. They're singing about their space tractors. An ad would be worse because it denotes a superior civilization that is so huge that it is advertising (laughs) what it has for sale across the universe. There would be no escaping that. Yeah. Another uh, sort of medium that gets adapted that does not do very well are video games. Which is uh, Call of Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth. That yeah. came out in 2002, three, Somewhere around there. It's very, very it's early. It's very early. Uh, Eternal Darkness. Eternal Darkness. Fox, dude. Actually, I started playing it again. Uh, that's the one thing that I do like that computers do is you can play old games. Yeah. I've never played that game. It's so good. It is probably the only Lovecraftian game that i will say for me was like a 10 out of 10 yeah even now like the tank controls are a little bit gross but at the time they worked and Mm -hmm. it's not that hard to adapt to them now and the shit that that game did to because like the game isn't just like oh look at all this lovecraftian stuff it also tries to mess with you yeah by making by making you think your system shut off or you accidentally wiped your saves yeah. Or this any case, number of things. Anyone was wondering, it came out originally for the PlayStation 2 and GameCube. And GameCube. So the, the developers knew that most people had, what was it, like, what the TV was? It was it? the VGA TVs. Yeah. So, so your, your screen would blue screen if the signal went out, and so the game would blue screen. Mm-hmm. And, like, even though at a certain point everybody became aware that, like, oh, this game does that, right? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't, it doesn't do it for everybody at the same time. Yeah. You don't walk through the same door and then it happens. It might be in the same level, but there's enough of a randomness there that like, even if you're aware of it, because even now playing it, like, even though I'm aware of it, it'll hit and I'll be like, oh, fuck. And then I'll be like, wait, no, the game I'm playing, duh. Yeah. Yeah. The worst thing though is they have those uh those glitches where the volume increases and the volume actually does increase. Does so it? if you are wearing headphones, uh-huh. that shit sucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, Eternal Darkness is another one. Uh the Call of Cthulhu, the 2018 version. Uh I was looking very forward to it. I got it, and it's okay. It's not it's a pretty great good. game. It's not yeah, it's yeah. not great, but it's 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 a good RPG. One of the better yeah. Lovecraftian games. And then the last one is The Sinking City, yes. which came out. Uh, it's very. It's made by the same developers who did the Sherlock Holmes 
games. Yeah. So it's a lot of backtracking. And there was some problems with the game because the developer tried to... No, the publisher tried to screw the developer out of money. Yeah. But now if you pick up the game for, I believe, anything... So PC and Switch versions are the legit versions. And now on PlayStation Xbox, you can get the actual developer version of the game the way it was yeah. intended and no butt-fucking of the The game publisher. still is, I've heard, uh, eh. Yeah, it's if you, if you want to play as a detective in a Lovecraft setting, it's the best thing you're going to get. Mm-hmm. There have been Lovecraft-themed Comic-Cons. Yep. Which is weird, and I wish I could have gone to some. Yeah, there'll uh, probably be some in the future. We yeah, pop the, up at one. one that might still be going on is the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. A use it took place in uh, Portland, Oregon, of course, and then it's it moved down to San Pedro, California. Oh shit, that's like not yeah, too bad, right? They might bring it back. Uh, they had a they were going on for like four to six years, and then. The last time they had one was in 2019, so... Which would have meant that 2020 yeah. probably didn't happen because of the because pandemic of, yeah. so, and not because of disinterest. Mm-hmm. And then there was N- Necronomicon. Necro- <laughs> yeah. I mean, the name's there, I yeah. guess, yeah. The Necronomicon. Yeah. And then if you are interested at all from what we've been saying about cosmic horror and you wanted to pick some up, you can go anywhere to read these stories. Mm-hmm. The one I would go with is the Call of Cthulhu. That's yeah, that's the basic one that you most people start off with, and that's yeah. the one that people would tell you to read if you're into cosmic or if you want to get into it. Which uh, one thing that I want to I want to sort of put in here? Yes, you can go and you can go to Barnes and Noble or the library and you can buy or or check these books out. But again, it's all public domain, so. Most of his stories, you can just Google the title and a website will show you the entire story. Yep. Uh, the other, so I'm going to, all of these are good ones. I, I'm just going to tell you the names. The Call of Cthulhu, number one. For me, after that, it would be The Color Out of Space, mm-hmm. Shadows Over Innsmouth, The Dunwich Horror, At the Mountains of Madness, The, the Rats in the Wall, uh, Dagon, The Outsider, and Pikmin's model. Pikmin's model is one of my favorite ones. That's my number two favorite. My number one favorite, and the one that I would say go with though, is the one that I mentioned earlier: Dreams in the Witch House. That one kicks ass. Okay, but yeah, those are the stories that I would recommend. If you only had it, if I only had to pick three, it would be the Call of Cthulhu, uh, Color Out of Space, and Mountain Madness. See, and I would pick Pikmin's model, Color Out of Space. And then Dreams in the Witch House. Yeah, but uh, and just like we said earlier, Cosmic Horror is just a huge thing. Because another movie that I didn't mention was uh, Event Horizon. Yeah, I was going to say that one. Just anything that makes you feel small and insignificant is typically what is yeah. considered cosmic horror. It's, it's things that imply something that is so much larger than yourself that it's actually hard to conceive. Yeah, and it, this doesn't also have to do with just weird tentacle monsters or weird just like wall or eyeballs because mm-hmm. or like tentacle, I guess just tentacles, slimy things because there's also like body horror yes. that can creep you out and be like, ugh. That guy's arm looks really weird. There's a, another person that is very influential that is very clearly takes from Lovecraft, yeah. but makes it worse because well, Lovecraft is 
it's the unspeakable, the mm-hmm. unfathomable, while this certain person shows you what the fuck it is. Yes. And that person is Junji Ito, mm-hmm. which is a name that if you're somebody who's into anime or manga, you've probably heard of before. He is the biggest name in horror when it comes to sort of just Japanese media in general. Uh, and this is somebody who, I mean, who's not only freely admitted that he is incredibly inspired by H.P. Lovecraft, but also has stories that kind of take place in the same universe as a lot of Lovecraft stories. They take place using a lot of those same elements almost unchanged. Uh, to give you a little bit of backstory on Ito and to sort of, what do they call it, comparison? Side yeah. A little side-by-side comparison with him and Lovecraft. Ito's upbringing was actually v- very nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, got introduced to horror when he was a very little kid by his sisters who would read scary stories in magazines. He's mentioned the worst part about his childhood is that his family's bathroom, and I guess this is not that, co- or this was not that uncommon at the time for Japan uh, because of the way they would build into mountains, his bathroom was underground at the end of like a tunnel. Oh, yeah, damn. So anytime he needed to go take a piss, he had to deal with that, being in the dark, and also just a shit ton of spider crickets, which uh, are those crickets that have the really long, they're like mm-hmm. short crickets, but yeah. they have the really long legs. They look gross. Yeah, they do. So uh, that sort of seeded the little um, thing in his head about the world itself being kind of creepy and gross was actual interaction with a specific animal. And then after that, some of what influenced his uh, need to write about maybe body horror specific things. He did not go from a child to uh, a manga creator in a straight line. He actually went to school for and then became a dental technician. What the fuck? Yeah, he was a dental technician for years and he would write manga on the side and then submit it and then get denied and then write more and then submit and then get denied and then in like 1987 he submitted Tomie for an award and it won an award and suddenly that was when publishers were like whoa whoa, whoa, we need it we need this Tomie thing and since then Tomie has gone on to to have so many volumes of it that I, I can't even fucking name all of them yeah uh they've had maybe five or six movies at this point uh, they they were going to have a show on Quibi, and then that just tanked. And let me, let's be honest here. We all kind of knew Quibi was going to tank. It was not a good concept. But, it you know, that one story that he sold in 87 was enough for him to be able to say, you know what? I'm done pulling teeth out of people's mouths and, like, putting stitches into people's mouths. And, like, he had to do a lot of stuff with teeth. And also that does come through with a lot of his manga. Yeah. People with really big mouths, uh, really big rows of teeth. Like, he has a – you could tell he has a thing about it because there's even uh, the uh, the story The Model where a bunch of kids go – they're trying to film something. And they hire uh, a model from a newspaper – or from a magazine, rather, to be this sort of star. And she arrives. She's just the creepiest looking thing with this, like, big ass head, big teeth. And everybody's kind of like, I guess I can see why she's a model. Because she's <laughs> a famous model. So I can see it. She's not pretty, but the frame. I can see how that models close very well. And then she just sort of starts eating people one by one in the woods. Yeah. It's not his strongest story, for mm. sure. But that is an example of his sort of weird thing about people's teeth, Mm -hmm. which is probably a direct result of the dentist's occupation. 
I'd imagine you see a lot of gross stuff in people's mouths. Yeah. Just so you can see if someone has given the suck. Yeah. <laughs> Should I explain that? <laughs> if you want to. Uh, the reason Sal brings this up is we were having a conversation about that in the at some point in the past. No, you brought up, do you know that your dentist can see if you suck dick? Yes. And it, I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to name who. Somebody went to the dentist and then uh, their dentist was like, huh, I thought you were a lesbian. <laughs> so they got very embarrassed. And it turns out that uh, if, if you suck a lot of dick, uh, your dentist can tell because of the bruising on your soft palate. Right. Yeah. There's no real food that you eat that will do that to you <laughs> unless you're just like struggling to choke back a hot dog. That's Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much it. Uh, but yeah, he in 80s, going back to the Ito, in 87, he submits uh, Tomie. He gets a bunch of awards uh, and it gets serialized. And then uh, from there, he also continues to just have a really nice life. 2006 get mar- gets married to a very nice lady. Uh, has a couple of cats, writes some stories about his cats. But along that whole way, he's also been doing what we all know him for, which is writing some of the grossest shit at times and then also just some of the creepiest i think one of the at this point obviously he has really popular things like uzumaki the story about a town that becomes obsessed with spirals Mm -hmm. fatally becomes fatally obsessed with spirals uh and then stories like tomie and then stories like uh soichi the kid with the nails in his mouth who just terrorizes everybody the one with the cracks in the walls that's what i'm getting to now that is one of his most – that was not a super popular one when it came out, mostly because it was kind of overshadowed by the book that it was actually collected in. But nowadays, you ask somebody if they, they're into Junji Ito, one of the names you'll hear first is The Enigma of Amagara Fault, which is a very, very short story about – Very uh, short. Yes. About a sort of natural – not natural disaster, but a natural event that happens in a particular prefecture in Japan – the news is showing that uh, after an earthquake, the fault line separated and there's a bunch of holes that are the exact shapes of people. Mm-hmm. And the main character begins to understand that every person has their own hole. And so a lot of the authorities are trying to get people to not go near this thing at all because it's sort of calling them to find their space and climb inside. And when they do... What comes out on the other side is not something you would consider to be a human anymore. Yep. And it's he has a lot of these very short stories that are a similar format where you're given just enough information to be a little bit terrified by what he's presented you and almost no resolution. Yeah. And that's uh, one thing that circles back to Lovecraft where some of his stories... It just ends like, yeah. you know, uh, the last thing you hear is like, oh, I hear them knocking or I feel it coming up the wall. Pikmin's model was very much like, oh, this is a creepy picture. I wonder how he painted it. Oh, that was a painting of something in real life. And then it just ends. Mm-hmm. It's just done. And that is something that Ito definitely picked up from Lovecraft, which is the idea that, and this is a little bit counterintuitive to a, what a lot of writers do. A lot of writers write a story and they have an arc for their characters because the characters are the main point. In Ito's work, 
very much pulling from Lovecraft's work, the main character of the story is the event that is happening. Yeah. The people in it are just sort of a vehicle for you to observe what's going on. And that is one of the things that makes them the most effective because you can sort of put yourself in. You can identify as that person and then just see all of these horrifying things happening around you and you don't get a resolution to it. You don't get to figure out how they get away with it, if they get away with it, if a good thing even happens at the end. You're presented with a little bit of horror and then a character trying to explore what's going on and then the big reveal, which is the actual scope of what's going on. And a lot of the times when you see the reveal, like you said, his art design is really good because whenever the big climax, the big, oh, what the fuck, is always double-paged. It's always full. It's not he does, like... Yeah, he does this um, technique that I just super fucking appreciate. He figured out how to build suspense similar to the way that you would do in a movie by sort of slowing down the pace on a particular page mm-hmm. leading up towards a reveal. And the last panel is usually somebody looking surprised or a door kind of opening or a shadow and then you flip the page you you do not get to see what's coming up next at all which is good for the fact that as you're turning the page like i think it his uh panels keep getting like not smaller and smaller but they are like you kind of have to look in a little bit closer to see the full detail and then yeah and then then you you get the the page page reveal and it's It's a splash page of just this Mm -hmm. horrifying thing. And sometimes that page is the end. Yes. Sometimes you walk down an alleyway and then you see a thing and then the next story happens. And then you're like, fuck, what happens next? You don't get a resolution to that. And the ones that you do get continuations of like Tomie and like Soichi... He still still somehow manages to make it so that way it's like, yeah, no matter how much information you're going to learn a little bit more, you're never going to know what's going on, though. And it is perfect. I actually just got uh, not too long ago. I posted it up on the Instagram. I got his most recent book and that book. Huh? I said, you're welcome. Yes, because you're the one that pointed it out to me. Yeah, I was like, it's cheaper than going to Barnes. And you're like, oh, fuck, let me get it. Yeah. And that one is, it's not my favorite of his, but it it handles that same thing very well. You're given a lot of information up front. And to me, I was like, oh no, is this one going to be bad then? I already feel like I know what's going on. Get to the end, didn't have any fucking clue what was going on. It was great. Mm -hmm. So as far as Lovecraftian horror in terms of, or in the format of manga, and he's had an anime adaptation, which did not do well. The Junjito collection. Um, oddly enough, my complaint with it is that it, it sticks too close to the manga. Uh, it does. It does a lot of what the manga tries to do, but the manga was written to be a manga. It was written understanding the constraints of what a book can and can't do. So it was written for that format, and there was no editing done or anything to make that same style work on camera it does not work on camera it's a completely different format and things do have to change and they weren't so some of those things that are supposed to be these big reveals just kind of be the they kind of wind up being these like weird sort of disjointed they're really disjointed scenes 
yeah. when you see them play out in in animation. Yeah, I saw the. I think the story that you're saying, the model, mm-hmm. the one with the creepy. Like I think that the, was like the first episode. Yeah, I saw like her, and I was like, I remember seeing a like the panel. And it looking a lot better. And then when I saw the anime, it looks like she kind of has like a grape face. One of my favorite ones from Junji Ito, just as a recommendation. I've already mentioned the Enigma of Amagara Fault. So if you're interested in Junji Ito and you've never seen any of his stuff or read any of his stuff, that is an entryway. Uzumaki's good too, but it, that is a full story. That is not get it done in a couple of pages. But the the other one that I would recommend probably even higher than the Enigma of Amagar Fault for me, was uh, The Neighbor's Window. Have you ever read that one? Oh, no, that's the one that I was thinking about. The one with the grape-faced lady. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Uh, this is a story about a family that moves into an apartment, and it's next to a house that seemingly has no real ways to look inside, and everybody in the neighborhood is aware of this house and this woman that definitely lives there, but no one has ever really seen. She's very much like she keeps to herself. And the little boy in this family gets put in this room. That It's like the room on the top of the house. Yeah, it's the top it's floor. It's upstairs. Mm. And he's got a window. And this is very common. He's got a window that basically just shows him the wall of the other house. Because the houses are so close together. There's no real view. It's... It's just there. But eventually he finds out or he, he comes to see that the neighbor's window has moved to meet his window. And there's a woman on the inside who's talking to him and trying to get him to go over. And as the story progresses, you start to realize that it's not just like the monster isn't just this woman. It's probably the entire house. Yeah. And it's a very creepy, like, the whole story plays out over a series of nights. You get these little splashes during the day that just sort of reinforce the idea that it is a perfectly normal place during the day. And that's one of the things that I appreciate about Ito is as much as he pulls from cosmic horror and as much as he pulls from Lovecraft, a lot of the sources of his horror are everyday things. Ito has something that uh, is referred to as thalassophobia, which is uh, a fear of, like, deep water, the ocean. That also plays a lot into his stories, like Gyo, which is kind of hilarious when you see it here. Yeah. Because there's just some shit that doesn't translate well. No. So you get like, oh, fish have grown legs. Cool. But um, even that story pulls a lot from Shadow over Innsmouth. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a lot of connection between the two, and there's a lot that he does that is just this, like, unique flavor of creepy when it comes to manga because it doesn't rely on, necessarily doesn't rely on a lot of, like, gross-out blood or gore as its focal point, like something like a corpse party. Yeah. There's a central thing driving it that is just like, hey, what if this thing that you see every day was just kind of fucked up? Yeah, because some of his characters, some some of the ones that I know of, they don't even do anything wrong. Or what they do yeah. is, like, so small. Like, there's the one where the girl turns into, like, a snail, like, her yes. head. Like That's Uzumaki. Yeah, I was just like, the fuck she do? Yeah, Uzumaki literally starts off with somebody going to see, I think it was, like, their dad. And the dad is, like, fucking with a snail. And he's just like, look at the spirals. And that dad winds up, I believe, being the one that gets fitted into the washing machine 
uh, and fold it into a spiral. And it, just the way that he pushes those characters mm-hmm. is is great. Uh, to it also uh, kind of goes in with Lovecraft because uh, the way Lovecraft wrote his story, his book, his in his stories, yeah, is maybe this is true. Maybe yeah. me, like the way that it's written is like. Oh, maybe this is a diary of an insane person, but we only think he's insane because the concept is so out of the world. And that's where um, the one thing I do like about Ido is, as you're saying, the girl turns into a snail. Like that could just have been like an urban legend in Japan. And I'll be like, all right, that fits. Actually, some of the things that he does are based off of... Mm -hmm. Are, are sort of like based off of what would be a cultural understanding for them. It's just like, it'd be like if, if we wrote like a scary story and we were like, also Big, Bigfoot, you guys know Bigfoot. Well, this is what it actually is. Uh, we don't get that kind of same association because obviously we don't necessarily, we're not as familiar with it, but even then they still work separately. To pull something that is uh, just a direct lift from Lovecraft, he wrote uh, a several chapter story called Hellstar Remina. And that is about uh, an apocalyptic event where a gigantic planet covered in tentacles and eyeballs and teeth is eating planets and moons and stars, and it's drifting slowly towards us. And they call it the Hellstar. They call it Hellstar. The book is called Hellstar Remina because of the girl who they somehow come to the conclusion if they sacrifice something to the Hellstar, they won't get eaten. And... The Hellstar is very much Shub Niggeroth from Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. They just refer to it as the Hellstar. And the way that that story plays out is pretty much just, it's just a Lovecraft story drawn in a manga and it kicks ass. Yeah. It is, it is a fucking solid one. So Lovecraft, Ito, definitely check yeah. those out for this spooky season. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything cosmic horror. Yeah, is just good. check it out. Mm-hmm. E- even usually, even the bad stuff, it, there's still something entertaining in it. Yeah, but uh, moving on, the summer has ended. Summer is over. The kids are back to school, and the anime uh, is it's now the changing. fall. Yeah, fall yeah. season. So we're just going to be going over the one thing we kept up with. Yeah. There, I, there's multiple, but the thing is, some things are still going on. Yeah. So. There are get, some things that, that started this season that won't be done until winter. essentially winter. Yeah. So I guess I think from now on, that's how we're going to do it. Just things. Whatever ends mm-hmm. around the time. Yeah. So for me, uh, I continued. I kept up with uh, Tokyo Revengers. Yeah. And I remember I keep telling I kept telling you, damn bro, you weren't hyping this shit up as much because I'm watching it. I'm hella hype. I'm like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, you're barely there. So now it's like the reverse because most of the time it's just like, where are you at? Okay, cool. Because my hero, yeah, is the one where I always have to ask you like, oh, what are the fuck is the anime? Yeah. So now it's the other way around for at least this one. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I was I'm definitely like, way far ahead yeah, of you guys. And I was like, God damn, this shit's badass. And you're like, yeah, it's cool, I guess. And I was just like, fuck you, Cruz. <laughs> yeah, not just that, but there were, like, there were like points where you would start to talk about it. And I'd be like, where are you at? And then you'd be like, oh, yeah. And then they got to this fight and blah, blah, blah. And then I'd be like, where was the fight? <laughs> because yeah. it's just like, which time, when, what? Mm-hmm. You got to give me more information. Yeah. So Tokyo's Avenger ended uh, as of this recording six days ago. Yeah. So last week. 
And overall, I give it a uh, an eight out of ten. I don't remember what my original impression was. Uh, I'm gonna say it was probably eight out of ten as well. And the only reason I give that is the main character is a bitch. the worst person to be in charge of doing anything because yeah. it's over by the time you listen to this. It's probably a week has already passed, two weeks or whatever. So I don't care if you haven't watched it yet. I guess spoiler alert. Yeah. I guess he does what he's set out to do. He makes sure uh, Draken doesn't die, which was like a huge thing. Because if uh, Draken doesn't die, then maybe Mikey won't turn bad. But then when he goes back to the future, he kind of saves it because um, his girlfriend, the reason that he's doing this or his ex-girlfriend is still alive. The, mm-hmm. the whole uh, parade thing didn't happen, so she didn't get fucking ran over. Yeah, he goes to her front door and cries. Yeah, like a little bitch. And, um, you know, he's hanging out with her. Uh, and then one of the dudes that you see very faintly in the past comes up and he's like, ah, shit, why weren't you in the car? And then just walks away. And then one of his friends, the one that committed suicide, uh, still kills himself. But he try he rams this Hummer into the smart car, and I don't know how the fuck he dies. He's in a big ass car, mm-hmm. but the girlfriend gets fucked. Mm-hmm. The engine is like pushed into her shit, like on mm-hmm. her like lap and shit. And she's telling him like, before all this happened, she's like, "Oh, I come here because this is where someone I loved uh, used to take me." And he's like, "Fuck, of course she was. She must have moved on. Why wouldn't she have moved on?" And then she hits him with. But they broke up with me. And he's like, what the fuck? And then she's crying. She's like, he never told me why. And he's like, damn, that sucks. And she's like, why did you break up with me? And he's like, what the fuck? I'm the one who did the dumping. (laughs) And he's like, I got to go use the bathroom. And then that's when she gets fucking massacred. And as she's dying, because, of course, cars blow up in anything. Yeah. uh, She tells him, like, get the fuck out of here. I don't want someone else that I love to die. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, I got to go back in time again and try to figure out who is still causing this. And then you end up finding out that uh, Beijing dies. And then the other guy's name was like Tora, 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 something. Uh, You end up finding out that Mikey's brother gets killed by his own gang, which I wish they would have hyped up his brother. In mm-hmm. some way, they they briefly mentioned like, oh yeah, Mikey has a brother. That's it. They never mentioned like, Mikey looks up to his brother. His brother is like the coolest person. His they brother did manga too. Yeah, they're like he buys everyone pizza. He buys everyone hand jobs. He is the coolest dude to hang out with. No, they just oh yeah, he has an older brother. Yeah, that's it. You end up finding out that his uh two gang members, his friends, uh tried to steal a bike that Mikey really really wants. And it just happens to be the brother's shop. Yep. And they kill him. And like the kid who kills him somehow tricks himself thinking like, this isn't my fault. This is Mikey's fault. If Mikey didn't want the bike, I wouldn't have killed his brother. And it's just like, how, 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 how yeah. could you trick yourself into thinking that? So when homeboy goes back to try to stop the, the killing, because they think this is the catalyst that makes Mikey go to just fear or pure just dictator mode it's my way or the highway he still fucks it up yeah uh bajing just still ends up getting killed the only difference is he kills himself because he knew that if he 
if the other guy killed them, then Mikey would still have a reason to kill him and then still go on the dark path. But the entire time is just like, dude, you know your objective. Why are you still standing around just crying and not helping? You're not doing shit. And that shit was annoying. Yeah. There was times where I was yelling at my phone at two in the morning. <laughs> it's like, God damn, you piece of shit. Yeah, he does kind of just he's exist. the worst. Yes, he's the worst. If it was me, you bet your ass I'd be trying to do everything to stop whatever were to happen to not happen. Yeah, I mean, but they even mention that, right? Yes, they mention they- it. And he, he, the thing is, he hypes himself. He's like, I'm going to change. I'm going to make the future better for me and Heine. And he doesn't do it. He just stands and cries. Yep. He is a worse Deku because at least Deku finally like gets his shit together. At least Deku will cry while punching somebody. Yeah. He moves while crying. Yeah. Like that muscle guy from like season two. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's cool. If homeboy would have done that, I'd been like, all right, you, you, you're you're all right. But no, he just stands and cries. And then he's somehow always two steps behind like whatever the bad guy is at the yeah. arc. And it's like, God damn, you piece of shit. You have the knowledge of the future and you're still fucking up. Yeah. But uh, it ends at a cliffhanger. I hate it. But I'm excited for season two. But again, the main character is so dumb. And it's just like, how do you not see what you're doing is wrong? Mm-hmm. You're not helping the future. Give it just an eight out of ten. Yeah. That was one that like I didn't keep up with again. Just because the, the first few episodes I checked out, I was like, mm, I did. I was that guy. I was like, they're missing stuff from the manga. This is this is not as good. I don't know if I'll go back and check it out, though. Because, like, the manga is also hype as fuck. I don't think I need to watch the anime. Yeah, well, that's how I am when it comes... Like, that's how I feel when it comes to My Hero and um, One Piece. But uh, the one thing that I don't do for One Piece that I do for My Hero is... Yeah. I'll check out the fights for yeah. My Hero. Because sometimes... They do a really good job animating it. Yeah. And now with where One Piece is and Wano Kuni, I think I'm going to do the same because I only went back to watch like the big fights between Luffy and Katakuri yeah. or Luffy and Doflamingo. So I get what you mean. Yeah. So with this one, like, again, there was a lot of that where I was like, oh, where are you at? And yeah, it turned out that I was right, that it was going to because like from the beginning, I was telling you, like, I'm pretty sure I know, pretty sure I know where they're going to end the season. And then when you described it to me, I was like, yeah, that, no, that's exactly it. Yes. Yeah. But at the same uh, time. a rough cliffhanger. Yeah. But at the same time, you kind of, just as a manga reader in general, you can kind of get a feeling where most anime's in, like, yeah. the season. Because I remember every time for My Hero, when you would tell me, like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's going to end around here. And then I, then you tell me, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the one that I kept up with, and I mean, again, I, we did keep up with a little bit more, but not the, enough. The one that I, I, I should say that I'm on the current episode of uh, is, is "Girlfriend, Girlfriend," which is the uh, the anime about the dude who has a girlfriend that he really likes, uh, and then a girl comes up to him and is like, "I would like to be your girlfriend," and then he's like, "Hey, I don't know if my girlfriend would be comfortable with that. Why don't you come with me to ask her?" And then he uh, eventually winds up being in a relationship with her. Well, Sal, the following episode, episode four, the one we did not see, is actually a very good one. Uh, The two girls bond over playing video games, over playing shooters, uh, essentially just like a a Call of Duty or whatever. Damn, Adrian's dream dream girl. 
But I like the way that they handled that one because they fully animate the game. Like parts mm-hmm. of the show, parts of the episode are them in the game and uh, a surprising amount of violence Damn. for that. Like uh, there's a team kill where the the newest girl, girlfriend uh, accidentally shoots the other one and there's just like blood everywhere. She gets like shot in the head and she's responding like, oh my God, no, 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 I didn't. Uh, and that was just a, a nice, fun little episode. Uh, but that leads into the thing that happens after that introductory arc, which is the next girlfriend, which is, of course, a big titty gamer girl. Yeah, I think I saw the cover and there's like four girls. Yeah. So there's a big titty gamer girl who uh, they don't want to be in the relationship at all. She kind of um, she's like, I guess she's like famous on YouTube or what they call it, MeTube. Uh, and she ends up finding them hiding away at school in the gym, the like the gym locker, not locker, but storage. Mm hmm. Where they eat their lunch together so nobody knows they're in a relationship. Uh, this new girl ends up finding them in there. And then is like, oh my god, you guys are fucking gross. I'm going to tell everybody. And then one of the girlfriends is like, hey, aren't you that one YouTuber that's always wearing that mask? But with the big old titties that just makes videos that are kind of about video games but are mostly about their titties so that way they can get money. And then she was like, oh, fuck. Now we both have secrets. And so they start going at each other and the main character steps in and is like, hey, let's settle this. Let's just settle down. It's not that big of a deal. We just blah, blah, blah. And somehow in his speech, this new girl is like, you know what? I like you. I'll be your third girlfriend. What the? Fuck? And then, yeah, it's very like it doesn't make any sense when it happens. It very much feels like they wrote that because they like they have something else they want to go to. And they're like, well, fuck it. We got to get out. Of the- we got to get them together somehow. Uh, so she's like, I'll be your third girlfriend. And she goes on this little speech about how cool she is and also how huge her titties are. And then afterwards, like both of the girl, both of the existing girlfriends are all like, you know, a bit offended by it. And the main guy is like, do you know how lucky I would have, I would be to have a girlfriend like you You're talking about her like frame and her big ass titties and everything. And he's like, and that's why it sucks that I have to say no. <laughs> the next part of that show is this girl sleeping outside of their house in the cold. It's like winter trying to prove that she can like she's that she's a she can be a good girlfriend by basically almost killing herself in in the freezing cold outside in a sleeping bag. And then also just flexing on them with all the money that she gets from the YouTube because uh, she'll be presented with a problem and then just order a shit ton of stuff off of Amazon. And every time she does it, it's like in American dollars, it would be like two thousand dollars here and like five thousand dollars here. And every single time the the characters get surprised at how much they can afford. Um, But. The thing that kept me going with this is that dynamic of not just of like, oh, what happens if you have multiple girlfriends? It's that the main character dude is is like very much just like a nice, I'm not going to try to take advantage of you guys at all kind of thing. It's his first girlfriend who is the one that is obviously bisexual and horny as fuck because she does not this new girl with the big ass titties comes in and of course she gets fixated on the big ass titties and can't get past it at all. And they have their little bonding episode and it's very clear that as the show goes on and more girls are introduced that 
this this girl is it almost feels like she's slowly starting to become the main character because as the show goes on the main guy like he's still in the spotlight but he's taking up less of it and he's doing less of the actual plot and the girlfriend's doing more of it and so you know as as a romantic comedy kind of thing they they you know it's sort of your standard like they go on certain dates or whatever he's trying to date multiple girls at once so technically they're on a date but it just kind of looks like he's in a friend group where he's the only dude and like a lot of wacky antics and whatever. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And it's not something that I would like freely recommend to everybody. If I, if, if there's one person that I know of that would like it, it's Vince. And that's just because it's exactly the kind of thing that he, he likes. But to me, just seeing those characters, like in a very exaggerated way, try to handle that situation, especially with the one girlfriend being the one who was like, it's, it's, less like this dude has multiple girlfriends and more like this one girl has multiple girlfriends and also some guy <laughs> that she cooks food for. Yeah. And you can tell too that like the story was was built to to set up this way because from one of the first episodes which you would have seen uh when they first start living with him he lives in a pretty big house that has multiple bedrooms and it's just kind of like oh i guess these rooms aren't being used by now and you're like one two three four he's gonna have five girlfriends <laughs> that's what's gonna happen either he's gonna have five girlfriends or he's gonna have four and his parents are gonna be okay with it because they're gonna take one of those rooms yeah but this is built to just like, hey, let's do the harem anime thingy. Let's turn it up. Let's you know, let's let's turn it at an angle a little bit. But we're, that's all this is gonna be. This is just it's just a harem anime where the main dude is genuinely trying to balance everything and like, oh, oh shit, I spent four hours with you, but I didn't spend any time with you today. Fuck, you probably feel pretty bad about that. And then creating his own problems by projecting those onto them. By saying, hey, you didn't get any time with me. I bet your life sucks for it. Yeah. And there's just a whole lot of shit like that that, like, I was laughing pretty much all the way through. This is, again, not something I would recommend to everybody. But for that kind of romantic comedy kind of thing, I mean, I'd, I'd say, yeah, it's like a 7 or an 8 out of 10. I dig it. I did not. Yeah. I mean, I figured. It's not your mm -hmm. cup of tea. No. But that's pretty much it. I mean, there's yeah. nothing more for me to go into it about. There's no complicated story about time travel. It's just a dude trying to balance dating a bunch of girls at once who are seemingly way more into the situation than he is at times. There's even a certain point where he's like, damn it, I can't date everybody that I find cute. If I dated everybody that I found cute, my life would be a nightmare. Damn. Because it gets to a point where he's just like, there's just too many people around me. And it very much feel like if the story continued to show him being like, you know what? The perfect solution to this problem is that I just need to be alone. He's like, I, I need to drop all gay. of you guys. No, I feel like if he was just like, I'm going to take a summer somewhere else. I'm going to college somewhere else. Fuck all you guys. I'm going to pretend this didn't happen and try to figure out who I am. I would take a backpacking trip to Chile or something. I'd be like, that is a, that's a viable ending for this because as it goes on, 
he just he just looks more and more like he's like fuck. What did I get myself into? Dude, I bet. Well, like we talked about before, just the idea of having another real life girlfriend. One more life. would be too much work. Yeah, fuck yeah. Three more would be like I would strongly consider dyeing my hair and moving to a different state. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I tried getting another girlfriend, I'd be like, what? What is life? Yeah. I just wouldn't have time for you. Yeah, it'd be like I'm I'm drowning in pussy, like literally, guys. Yes, somebody save me. I was like, I can't feel my tongue. I don't know what bread tastes like anymore. (laughs) 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 You're just gonna have a missing patch of your mustache, and you know what's gonna suck too? Ron Ron Swanson. It's like I didn't miss shaving. That was that burned. Oh, that rubbed off. Yeah, from the friction. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, fucking. the worst part about that problem, too, though, is if you tell anybody about it, you're like, guys, I don't know how to handle this. It's just going to sound like you're bragging. Yes. That's all it's going to sound like. It's like, guys, there's too much good stuff in my life. But, I mean, that is legitimately a problem. If you had a shit ton of, like, fucking anything, even if it was, like, anything good, anything that you like, too much of it is going to ruin it for you. So, yeah, that'd be a difficult situation, and mm-hmm. I don't. I don't see that working out. Maybe in that the anime specific case where they're all living together and they're all also kind of dating each other. That's a very hippie commune kind of thing. And clearly some people did do it. I'd be surprised if that worked out for anybody. Yeah. I don't think it would have. I think that's something that some people did when they were young and then eventually just pretended like that never happened. Yep. They'll be like, how did you meet? Well, actually, your mom is my third girlfriend, but we don't talk about the other five. <laughs> but anyways, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. You can follow us at Nakama Pod on Instagram. And that the link tree has our website, which is NakamaPodcast.com. Nope. Nakamapod.com. We have a Twitter that we don't update, a Facebook that we don't update, and a TikTok that we don't update. So we, just do, wh- we do... Occasionally update the TikTok. We do not do it regularly, which yeah. we should. But like, but we can't Instagram. put it in the we can't put it in the category of the the Twitter or the Facebook, which we don't use at fucking all. I don't. Even we think do I have use. The, I think I have the credentials, but I just haven't logged yeah, in. Yeah, you've never logged in. Yeah, yeah. but follow us on Nakamapod on yeah. Instagram. And also, you know, if you guys want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that does a pretty good thing for us for the or algorithm. Spotify, Spotify reviews, no? I don't. The spot. I don't think Spotify has reviews. I Anyways. think. I, I think it just has like the you can like heart stuff. Yeah. I don't know if that does anything. But yeah. Anyways, follow us on Nakamapod on Instagram. Yeah, and that's that is, our most active area. So and, that'll be it for the episode. Yeah. Bye. Bye.